If you have your Bible or electronic device, go to the New Testament, and the first gospel is the gospel of Matthew, and go to chapter 6 in the gospel of Matthew. And I want to share something uh, from the Word of God that personally has become very real uh, to Loretta and I, from Matthew 6 and 33. We'll kind of Move around a little bit in the sixth chapter there, but that's our key verse for today. And if you don't know this verse, it'd be a good one for you to memorize. If you have not chosen a verse of Scripture that you believe is is that one verse that you just really hang on with your life, and, and just say, that's, that's, that's the one I got to go with. That's going to be my pillar right there. That's going to be that foundation that I'm going to build everything on. Then, then this would be the verse, Matthew 6, 33. Now, let me just set the background for this chapter a little bit, okay? And uh, Josh, you're going to like this. Josh is a Bible school student, so, so I'll give you a little, little class today, a little lesson today. You know, Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River, and he came out of there and with the blessing of God and the Holy Spirit on him, went into the wilderness, spent 40 days uh, wrestling with uh, himself with the devil and defeated the devil with the word of God, came out of there and immediately started preaching the gospel and healing the sick, kinds of things we were singing about here today, that victorious one. And then he went to Galilee where he was from, and he went to his hometown and his home synagogue or his home church, and uh, they wouldn't receive him as being the son of God. They only said, hey, that's, that's Joe's boy. How could he be the Messiah? That's Joe and Mary's kid. We've watched him grow up around here playing with the other kids in the neighborhood. And Jesus went on into northern Galilee, and one day on the shore of Galilee, he was teaching a multitude of people, and he laid down uh, the principles of his kingdom, and they're, they're basic principles, and they're found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It starts with the Beatitudes, which we call attitudes of being, and, uh, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are the peacemakers, and so forth. There are nine of them. And then he proceeds for this whole thing we call Sermon on the Mount, which is in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, to give us the principles of the kingdom of God. And I'm going to give you a principle today. This is a basic principle for establishing our lives on if you want the blessing of God. And I think all of us want the blessing of God. And I think all of us realize how important it is to be under the blessing of God and not away from God's blessing and out from under that covering. So, that's what I'm going to share with you today from Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Uh, talking about Mary a few moments ago, when Mary was six months old, and uh, this will go way back, it'll tell you how old she is. And uh, 45 years ago, 45 years ago this month, Loretta and I took our first church assignment in ministry. I wasn't ordained then. I was, uh, I think I was a lay minister, and, and uh, later on in that assignment, I became a, a licensed minister, and then later on in years ordained. And so we took this first assignment, 
I left a job with a newspaper in northern Ohio, a very good job, and I was, I was making good money then. I made about $145 a week. Some of you guys make that much in an hour now, don't you? That's because it, you know, a bag of potato chips is 10 bucks now when it used to be 10 cents. And uh, I left a good job, and Loretta's parents knew we had a call to ministry, and I think they were trying to get us to stay on the farm. It was a beautiful farm in Ohio. We had the Amish worked for us. We had the Amish buggies going by our road every day. And uh, so her dad gave us five acres of ground in the woods overlooking a small river to build a house. And uh, all the plans were made. We'd been approved by the Building and Loan Association. We had a builder. We were ready to break ground on a new house. When, when God just said, no, that, that's not it. I got a place for you to start a new church near Cincinnati, Ohio. And uh, so I left my job, and we left the land, and, and, uh, and left it all behind. And we went with n- no promise of anything. We had to find a place to live had to find a way to support ourselves. I had to get a job. So I got a job that lasted for about six months, and then the job ended, and we didn't have anything. And so we took this little church, 10 people, and uh, we, we, it, it was a, a new group. That they needed a pastor. They were trying to establish a local church. And uh, there wasn't a church like this in that community. So, um, so here we go to this little concrete block building that at one time was a Nazarene church, and it was on a street that uh, wasn't even paved. It was a gravel road called Cemetery Lane. How would you like to resurrect the dead on Cemetery Lane every Sunday? And uh, there was no running water. We found out later was no heat, so I had to put a heat system in the church. There was an outhouse in the back, and, uh, and, and we were there for, for one year, built this little church up to about 50 people, and then they sent us off to somewhere else because they said, hey, Hopkins will go anywhere. <laughs> if you've got something nobody wants to go to, send him. He'll go anywhere. And, uh, and so that was our, our first assignment. No promise of anything except the only thing we knew was we had a call from God, and our superintendent sent us there to establish this little church. And during that first year, we learned so much about Matthew 6, 33. I mean, we lived on Matthew 6, 33. We ate Matthew 6, 33, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It became so much a part of our lives that I loved sharing Matthew 6, 33 Anywhere I went, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And I'm going to share with you what those things are. And I can remember little Mary, while we were there, living in a little house down the road, we lived next to the volunteer fire department, right next to the volunteer fire department. Every time the siren went off, and it wasn't one of those things that just lasts for 20 seconds. It goes until the last volunteer fireman shows up to get on a truck and somebody turns off the siren. So in the middle of the night, we were awake. All different times of the day and night, we were awake. And in that little house, that's where Mary took her first steps and learned how to walk. And she loved walking so much that on church on on Sunday morning, she thought it was her job to help her daddy preach. 
and with her little, her little dresses that Loretta would dress her up in and her little black patent shoes, she'd run up and down the church pew while I was preaching, screaming at the top of her lungs because we were Pentecostal, right? That's what you do. Run and scream and holler, hallelujah. And, uh, but what a joy. What a joy it was. Of course, she had an older brother. Stephen was uh, almost four at that time. And uh, what a joy it was. And one of the things that, that we found out about ministry was this. This is one of the things we learned in ministry. I shared this with Josh earlier in the week, that money follows ministry. If we had waited till we had all the money we needed to go full-time in ministry, we never would have started that church. and never would have left that job because the devil would have seen to it. Because money comes not first, but second. Ministry and following God comes first. Wow. It's amazing. And uh, so I'm going to share a couple of miracles with you that God gave us. So Jesus gives us this, this key, this fundamental truth of the kingdom of God. And though he talks about money here, this message today is not about money. It's not about money at all. But look at verse 25, going back up a little bit, Matthew 6. Look at um, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. If you're worried about anything today, this message is just for you. If you're worried about your life, where are we going to live? I know there's some of you here that are looking for a place to live right now. By the way, one of our ladies here, their home was burned out this week, Sabah. Uh, Salazar and Stephen and, um, and, and his mom, their house was burned this week and they lost everything over on uh, Robert Street off of Dundalk Avenue. And so they're living with, uh, uh, with his sister for a while until, you know, the insurance comes through and all that kind of stuff. And uh, there's some other people that are looking for a place to live. Maybe, maybe today you don't know where your next meal is going to come from and you're worried about, you know, how am I going to live? How am I going to pay the bills? What am I going to do? I'm going to starve to death, you know. Uh, Chuck's worried about uh, getting moved to another apartment because he, he has an opportunity to move to an apartment. And he's, he's... So Jesus addresses the whole idea of worry, and he says, Do not worry. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You didn't ever live in the 21st century. Don't you know anything about taxes in Maryland? Right. You know, they say this is one of the worst states to retire in because of the high cost of of taxes. And Jesus just says flat out, don't worry about the life that you're living. And then he gives us this example. He says, look at the birds. Look at the birds that fly. Loretta and I just put a uh, a bird feeder, and, and we're watching all kinds of birds coming into our backyard. He said, look at, the, look at the bird. Look at the sparrows. He said, you think the sparrows are worried? Do they look worried? When they come to our bird feeder every morning or when they're playing in the bird bath, you think they're worried? And he said, they never plant, they never harvest, but they always have something to eat because I take care of them. And he says, how much more are you worth to me than those sparrows? And I see every one of them. And another place he said, I see every sparrow that falls from the sky. And then another lesson of nature, Jesus says, look at the, look at the beautiful wildflowers of the field, the lilies of the field. And he said, they spring up and they're so beautiful. 
As a matter of fact, when you look at an open field of wildflowers, they're more beautiful than Solomon and all of his kingdom. And yet, they don't toil, they don't spin, they don't make thread, they don't, or, uh, they don't uh, ornament themselves, they don't decorate themselves, because I do that, but they're not worried. And those flowers are here today, gone tomorrow. They come up with the sun, and they wilt at the end of the day, and the wildflowers are gone. And he said, how much more will I take care of you? And then he says, he says, the pagans go after all of these things. Then in verse 28, he said, so why do you worry? Again, he says, why do you worry about clothes? And then he gives us this, this of the lilies of the field. And then the last verse of this chapter, verse 34, he says, then do not worry about your future. So we're worried about life. We're worried about provision. We're worried about the future. Now, I could ask for a show of hands, but I won't do that today. But how many of us are really worrying right about now? You're worried about health. You're worried about the future. I don't know what's going to happen. I may lose my job. I don't know about my house. I don't know where we're going to live. I don't know if we got enough money to pay the bills. When, uh, when we were doing kids' ministry years ago, man, that was a long time ago. Loretta and I were doing kids' ministry, and we used to teach our kids. Our kids would sing this uh, uh, little song. It says, why worry when you can pray? Trust Jesus. He'll be your stay. Don't be a doubting Thomas. Trust, trust fully on his promise. Why worry, 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 worry. That's how they used to do it, when you can pray. But you could turn the song around the other way. Why pray when you can worry? What's the use to take the time, the breath to pray when you can just worry and worry yourself into a grave, right? Into a hole in the ground. And so Jesus said, so why are you worried? Don't you know I take care of those things? And then he comes down to to, uh, verse 33 and gives us the key for chasing the worries away. Now, how many of you want to do that? Amen? Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see a lot of hands. Some of them were kind of like this. Others were like this. How do we get rid of worry? The first word in chapter, I mean, in verse 33 says, seek. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But Jesus says the kingdom of God is something to be sought after. It's something to be received, Jesus said in Mark chapter 10. To re- Remember what he said? He brought the little children. He said, receive the kingdom. Unless you receive the kingdom as little children, you'll not enter in. So the kingdom of God is something to be received and something to be sought after, something to be desired, something to endeavor to find this kingdom. So much so that in the 13th chapter of Matthew, Jesus described the kingdom of God as a treasure. And so he gives us this little parable. He said a man was going through a field and he found a treasure in that field. So what did he do? He buried the treasure, found out who owned the field, bought the field, and he took Every bit of money he had to buy the field because that treasure was so important to him. 
Then in the next parable, Jesus says the kingdom of God is, is, like, um, is like a man who was looking for pearls, and he found a pearl in a piece of land or, or somewhere, and so he hid the pearl. He took everything that he had to buy that one pearl because that was represented the kingdom of God. And so Jesus says the kingdom is to be sought after, to have an appetite for, to have a desire for. Now, see, there's, there's where we, we run into struggles in our life because the devil wants us to have desires for the world. The devil wants us to seek after the world. The devil wants us to go for the treasures of the world. Satan wants us to be distracted from our relationship with God by focusing on the treasures of the world. There's nothing wrong with wealth. There's nothing in the Bible that prohibits wealth. That wealth is considered as the blessing of the Lord, okay? But it must not be the thing that drives us. Amen? Matter of fact, there are some Christians who believe that poverty is equated to spirituality. That's wrong, but they believe the more poor you are, the more spiritual you are. Well, I've seen proud rich people, and I've seen proud poor people. The wrong kind of pride, you know. Like the church that that prayed to God for a new preacher, and they said, Lord, send us a preacher who's poor and humble. You keep him humble, we'll keep him poor. Because if he's poor, he'll be spiritual. He'll be on his knees a lot, and he'll be praying. He'll be a good preacher. He'll be a good pastor. Amen. So Jesus said, seek after the treasure. Seek. It's to be sought after. The kingdom of God is something to run to and to receive and to go after with diligence. And then he says, seek first the kingdom of God. The Lord Jesus is trying to help us align our priorities with this verse. And how many of you know that we really get our priorities out of whack a lot in life? And especially if we don't trust God. And if you want some examples, if you want some stories that will inspire or uninspire you, go to the New Testament. Those folks had troubles with priorities all the time. They were constantly distracted by foreign gods. It got so bad that they were offering their children to one of the pagan gods as sacrifices to be burned up. They're babies. Hebrew people. These are the Hebrew people. These are people that the Lord had delivered them out of bondage in Egypt because they got their priorities all mixed up. And so Jesus said, look, get your priorities in line. Seek after the kingdom and seek it first and not last. Sometimes I think, you know, God's kind of way down the line in our list of priorities. And if we have enough time and enough energy, we'll pursue God. Same way in our finances, you know. Tithing should be first fruits. Sometimes we make it last fruits. I've had people say to me, Pastor, I can't afford to tithe. Well, let me tell you something. You can't afford not to. Amen. You can't afford not to because 
putting God first brings what? Blessing. You want to live out from under the blessing? Okay, go ahead. Put God last and not first. And so, remember, this is not about money. This is about priorities. So Jesus said, pursue the kingdom. Go after it. Desire it. And desire it first. And he was already talking about money problems. He was already talking about people who were, who were getting mixed up with their treasures. You remember what he said earlier in the chapter? He said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So he said, don't, don't pursue treasures that can rust and corrupt and be taken from you. Just thinking about Saba's house the other day. A fireman told me one day, because a lot of us, you know, we have our stuff in our house. Uh, Loretta and I were missionaries for, for almost 20 years, and we had stuff stored in different places and different family members' houses, and we moved here. We finally got all of our stuff in one place. And like, what, two months after we moved into the house, the fire department was there ready to, to, to uh, uh, chop a hole in our brand-new roof because we found a heat source in the wall. And a fireman told me one time, he said, the average home in America is a total loss in 15 minutes. 15 minutes from the time a fire begins. 15 minutes. And if all of your possessions are in your house like a lot of us are. We can't afford summer homes and homes at the ocean and homes in the mountains, can we? We, we all have it in one place. All your stuff is there. It can all be gone in 15 minutes. You can go to work tomorrow and you can say, guess what? Company's bankrupt. Everybody loses their jobs. Go get in the unemployment line. Life can change so fast. Priorities. Priorities. Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. But endeavor to seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. This little church that we were pastoring down a place called Goshen, land of Goshen, little community out 15 miles east of Cincinnati. And uh, we, like I said, we had to get our own house. We had to get a job. We had to find a way to make a living. I did all kinds of things. And for 15 years, first 15 years of our ministry, I was a bivocational pastor. I taught school. I drove school buses. We did all kinds of things. And God always took care of us. But I learned some lessons in that first church. And I was 25 years old. And um, that tells you about how old I am, right? And 25 years old, never pastored before, just a greenhorn. I mean, I, w I was green. I grew up in the church, but I really didn't know a whole lot about pastoring. And I didn't have a, a Bible college seminary degree at that time. So I just did the best that I could, you know. And I'm sure I made a lot of mistakes, uh, in those early days, but people got saved and the church grew and we did a lot of things, you know, during that time. But a lot of times I had to take the money that I had and pay, help pay church bills along with uh, two or three other families when we first started out. And there were many times that, and, and this is a testimony. You don't have to do this, but this is what, what I did. And this is a testimony. There were many times I would reach into my pocket on Sunday morning for the offering and take everything I had or out of my wallet, which usually wasn't very much. If I had 5 or $10, I thought I was rich. But I'd take everything I had, put it in the offering, and uh, preach my heart out, 
And I'd stand at the door as our little congregation would leave and, and uh, didn't know, we didn't know how we were going to pay for lunch, where we were going to get food that week, how we were going to pay the bills, because part of that time I was unemployed. And somebody would walk by, Pastor, thank you so much today, and shake my hand, give me that missionary handshake with a $20 bill in it. You know, I'm like, wow, 20 bucks. That's good money back in that days. So I can remember when I first had a job where I made $100 a week. Wow, I was going to be rich. And I remember uh, that happened time and time again. Or we go out to our car, and, and uh, of course, we were always the last ones to leave. We were pastors of a little church, so we cleaned the building. We turned the lights on, turned them off, turned the heat on, turned it off. And we were the last ones to leave. And I go out to the car, put the kids in the car. We had two at that time, uh, Stephen and Mary. And uh, there'd be two or three bags of groceries in our car because I, I gave all I had an hour earlier, and somebody during the service went out and, and said, yeah, I, I need to buy some groceries for the pastor. And one guy who was not even a Christian, and his wife was one of the charter members of that little church. And this guy was not a Christian. He didn't like preachers, but somehow he liked me. And he'd fill up my car on Sunday out in the parking lot with groceries while I was inside preaching my heart out. Isn't that amazing? Jesus said, look, seek first. Put, put God first. Put his kingdom first. And all these other things that everybody else gets upset about. Where am I going to live? How am I going to pay the bills? Where is the food going to come from? What's my future look like? He said, don't worry about any of that stuff. Just don't worry about it. But seek me first. So when we were in this little church, uh, we, uh, we did a lot of visitation. We were trying to reach people in this new community. So we we go from house to house, and everybody that came knew the church got a personal visit from me and Loretta. So we'd, we'd visit on the evenings and sometimes on Saturday, well, almost every Saturday, we were visiting like all day long. So uh, one week we were just, we were out of money. We didn't even have enough money to, to put gas in the car. We didn't have any anything to eat in the house. And, uh, and uh, we looked at each other and said, you know what, we're going visiting. We're going to do what God has called us to do. We, we don't know how far we're going to get. The car will probably run out of gas. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how we're, how we're going to feed our family. But this is what God has called us to do. So we're going to do it. So we called a lady who, was, who her husband was a part of our church. She wasn't even a believer. But Pam was a nice lady. And we said, hey, can you come over and, and keep the kids today? We need to go out on visitation. And uh, so Pam came over and we left. We went on visitation went to the first house, and I told Loretta, we, we prayed before we pulled out of the driveway in our old used car, an old worn-out Chrysler New Yorker, and uh, that I tried to put the brakes on, and I couldn't, I couldn't, I never was very good as a mechanic. <clears throat> but we, we drove to one house, and we got ready to leave. We prayed with the folks, encouraged them, and we got ready to leave, and somebody said, hey, Pastor, here's, here's $5 for gas. Well, $5 could buy a pretty good amount of gas in those days, you know. It was about 50 cents a gallon. And, uh, and so uh, put, put a little gas in, and we go to the next place. And say, so, hey, pastor said, um, just want to give you something. Eh? Ten bucks. Put a little more gas in the car. We kept going. We were gone for several hours. Came back. And uh, Pam didn't say much, and, and Pam left. And uh, we, we, didn't, uh, we didn't have flour. We didn't, we didn't have uh, Crisco. Loretta said, if I just had flour and Crisco, I could make something, you know. We didn't have nothing in the house. And so uh, we're just praying about 
you know, what God wanted to do. We didn't have milk uh, for the kids. And, and not that we neglect our kids and not that following God is, a, is an excuse to be lazy because we weren't. About an hour and a half later, Pam comes back with her husband, Jim, knocking on the back door, bringing bags and bags and bags of groceries to fill our pantry. We never said a word to Pam. Pam just said, you know, you didn't say anything to me, but I, I opened the pantries, I opened the cabinets to get something for the kids to eat, and there was nothing here. And we cannot let our pastor go hungry or his family. You know, it was in that first year that Loretta and I built our lives on Matthew six thirty three, and said, Lord, we're going to seek your kingdom. We're going to seek you first. And we're going to seek your righteousness. Now, what did Jesus mean when he said, seek the righteousness of God? In the Old Testament, righteousness was something that you earned. Remember the problem Jesus had with the Jews? They figured we do enough good things. We do all the right things. We earn righteousness. We earn our, our friendship with God. We earn God's approval. And Jesus came along and he said, there is a better righteousness. But you don't earn this righteousness. You don't work for it. It is a gift from God that you could now be in right relationship with God. That's what righteousness is all about. Now, see, that goes against our human nature, especially us guys, because we're workers. We're providers. We're, we're strong guys. And we never admit our weaknesses, do we, guys? No, absolutely not. We challenge anybody. You know, we step up to the table. Oh, come on, you want to arm wrestle? Because we're men. And women, we do that too in a different way. But our human nature is this, and I've had people say this to me so many times over and over again. Pastor, I will, I will give my life to Jesus someday, but right now I need to put my life in order. And you know what happens? Their life never gets in order. It gets worse. People say, well, I'll live for Jesus. I'll come to church. But right now, my life is in such a mess. That's, God's in the business of taking your mess and making something beautiful out of it. That's the righteousness of God, to be at that place where you receive the gift of God and you yield to him and you receive the righteousness of his kingdom. Well, what is a kingdom? The kingdom is wherever the king rules and reigns. So if the kingdom is in my heart, the king is in my heart. And if the king is in my heart, that means the kingdom has come. So Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, the presence of God. Seek the king. Seek Jesus. Seek right relationship with him. And then he says, and all these things will be added unto you. Don't go seeking after them first, all those things you worry about. Seek me first. I'm the creator. I created you. Don't you think that I don't care that you need these things? Don't you think I'm not concerned about where you're going to live, what you're going to eat, how you're going to make a living, how you're going to pay your bills? Sure, I'm concerned about that. But that's not first. The priority is seek me. Seek the kingdom. Trust in me.
in the kingdom of God. Wow. We, uh, 1977, our son was about to celebrate his uh, seventh birthday, and Loretta and I took our first mission trip. And uh, this is just how God provides. God takes care, you know. He said the pagans are always worried about this stuff, and they're always going after wealth and stuff and all these other things. But he said, but, but I'll provide all that for you if you seek me. And so uh, me and my big faith, I said no to going on a mission trip because we didn't have any money. And I was the one who worked. But Loretta said, no, I, she was the voice of God. Thank God for a wife who's the voice of God once in a while. When I'm not hearing, she's hearing. Amen? Come on, guys. When I'm not listening too good, she's listening. And she said, I think we need to say yes. And you've already said no. So I called back to people who said, we need you and Loretta to lead this mission trip to the island of Bermuda. You're going to go there and work with the local people. And there's, there's uh, nine people that, that are on the team that you're going to lead. And I said, well, no, we don't have money. We can't do it. It was about $400 a piece for us to go on this trip for three weeks. And, uh, <clears throat> and so uh, we got the grandparents to come and stay with uh, all three of the kids. And uh, so because Loretta said yes, then I said, okay, yeah, I think we've heard the voice of the Lord. I heard the voice of my wife who heard the voice of the Lord. I'm glad we went. She led the team. They told us there was no children's ministry there, so there's no kids. So don't prepare for children's ministry. But God set it up. Everybody on the team, most everybody on the team, they were all girls. They were all women. And three of them were school teachers, and the others worked for kids' ministry in their church, and they're telling us there's no kids' ministry. But God put it in our heart, there was kids' ministry. So we went there, and we did kids' ministry. We saw tons of people come to Jesus. We saw miracles. We saw Captain Blood, a Portuguese gang leader, get saved. It was amazing. Some of the things that God did, the miracles in those three weeks. So we got home, and the day after we got home was our son's seventh birthday. And the only bicycle he had was one we pulled out of the trash, and I fixed it up for him to learn to ride a bike. And he wanted a bicycle. We were broke. We didn't have anything. And Loretta's mother had sent a $15 check uh, to us for Stephen's birthday. We didn't have anything. So Loretta said, let's go looking. I said, why? Voice of faith, you know. Why? We don't have any money. Let's be a waste of time. She said, well, let's go look anyway. So we're driving through town, and here's a Schwinn bicycle shop. And we go into the bicycle shop, and, and, uh, and I'm saying, well, we don't have any money. We don't have anything. What are we going to do? And it's his birthday, and he's believing and praying that he's going to get a bicycle on his birthday. And we have nothing. We have nothing. But we just came from three weeks of mission trip trying to be obedient to the Lord. The, mir the miracle was we said to the guy, well, look, do you have a used bike? He said, well, I, I, get, I get good used bikes in, but he said, eh, they're, they're gone. And he said, we don't have any because they're, they're sold so quick. And Loretta said, would you please go back and look one more time in your shop and see if there's a used bicycle? And sh so he went back and he comes in. And he said, you're not going to believe it. We just got a Schwinn scrambler in. He said, it's a good looking bike. And he told us how much it was. We said, man, we don't, I think it was like 70 bucks. We didn't. We didn't have anywhere near that. I said, look, all we got is a $15 third-party check from out of state. We just got home from a missions trip. We're missionaries. And our son's seventh birthday is today. 
And uh, so Loretta said, maybe if you could just give us a brochure that has the bike on it, we'll take it home and show it to him, and then we can pay the bike off. You know what the guy did? He said, I'll take the check, and I'll trust you for the rest of the money. I'll go get the bike. And we went home that day, cleaned it up, and our son on his birthday got a bicycle. Now, that bicycle got stolen in South Dakota. You know what he said? He said, I know we're going to get it back because it's a miracle from God that I ever had the bicycle in the first place. And one day, and the policeman said, you'll never see it again. And one day I drove by the police station, and, and the guy said, well, there's a, there's a little pen over here, and there's some bicycles that are in there that we've confiscated. And he said, you can look over there if you want. There was Stephen Schwinn Scrambler, all together and uh, ready to ride again. Isn't God good? You see, Jesus said, seek the kingdom first. First. And then he said, and all these other things that you're worried about will be added. But the priority is kingdom of God, relationship with God first. And then all of the other things. I could tell you a mound of stories and testimonies, not only ours of other people, how God has provided. Now, the key is, what do we do with this information now? You see, I said, it might be good for you to learn this verse and just kind of build your life around it. Just build a camp. Set up your camp around Matthew six thirty three. Jesus said, when he gave us the design for prayer, the disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. He said, pray this way. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Every day, Jesus gave us a pattern every day to declare the kingdom of God in our lives. Every day. Every day to say, Lord, we're going to seek your kingdom first. You must come first. And once you decide to do all that, the devil is going to come at you with a bag full of tricks to distract you, your time, your energy, your money, your kids, your anything, whatever. He's going to come in every way to weaken you so that you don't establish that strong relationship with God that makes everything happen. But that's where you need to camp out and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to surrender my life so completely. As a matter of fact, wasn't it Brother Andrew who said, if Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. He's got to be Lord. He's got to be king. What is a king? He's the sovereign. We're his subjects, but he's the sovereign. He's the absolute ruler of the kingdom. Where is the kingdom? In my heart, in your heart. Jesus stood before Pilate and said, well, if you're a king, where's your kingdom? He said, you can't see it, but it's in the hearts of men. And what you can see is when the kingdom is present on the outside, the man begins to change. And everybody at Teen Challenge said, amen, pastor. Hallelujah. Praise God. Seek earnestly, endeavor for the kingdom of God more than you go after the things of the world. Jesus said the people of the world, the pagans, they go after all these things with such vigor, but they're disappointed. I'm going to close with one, uh, one just really brief story. In uh, the state of Arizona, we had resigned from a church and we were 
kind of waiting to see what God had next. And a friend of mine had a Century 21 real estate agency. Seth is from Tucson. He graduated from high school with Mary. And, um, and so I sold uh, insurance. I did more ministry than I did selling insurance. We almost started to get, uh, again, but Loretta and I taught school. Seth remembers, and we taught school and, and uh, drove school bus. And I was selling real estate. I, I think six months, uh, I, I sold two houses. So uh, I don't know, I made about $6,000 in six months, but that wasn't enough. Our son was starting to the University of Arizona, and we, we didn't have much money. But anyway, that's kind of been our story. <laughs> a broken record, right? But um, I was selling a house, and I was going to talk to a guy about listing his house. He had a beautiful home. He lived not too far from where we lived there, and um, and so uh, we're going through the house, and he's showing me the house. And, uh, and uh, he said, uh, did you know I played baseball in college? I said, really? He said, I have a brother who plays for the San Francisco Giants. I said, really? A professional baseball player? He said, yeah. He said, I almost made it to the majors. But he said, I'm here, and, he, you know, i got these things going. And we sat down in his bedroom, a big master bedroom, man. They had a suite. They had jacuzzi. They had all this stuff. And the guy was really down in the mouth. And he looked at me, and he said, Mike, he said, uh, he said, I got to tell you, he said, I'm surrounded by all this stuff. He said, I got everything a man could want. So I got house, boat, SUVs. I got money, I, expensive vacations. I got it all. I said, yeah, and? And he said, uh, he said I don't want to have my wife anymore. I was going after all this stuff, and I lost my marriage. My wife took the kids. I don't have my kids anymore. So I'm just sitting here in this nice house all by myself. And he said, I'm one of the most unlucky, one of the most unhappy guys in the world. You know why? Wrong priorities. He had the money. He had all the things that people in the world go after that some of us are going after right now. Some of us are making choices about those things. He had some of those things that we eye and say, wow. You ever hear the story about the guy who is so rich, filthy rich, okay, and I underline that word filthy. He had a gold Cadillac, a gold-plated Cadillac. He wanted to be buried in his gold-plated Cadillac. So they buried him in the cemetery. They dug this big hole, and here's this dead guy sitting there, and they're lowering him in his Cadillac down into the ground, and one of their... One of the uh, workers there says, wow, man, that's living. Guy next to him said, no, it's not. That's dying. You <laughs> See, we get those priorities so mixed up. And this guy says, I got everything that people are striving for. And I'm one of the most unhappy men on the face of the earth. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Call it a formula. Call it a principle. It's a fundamental truth. And if we seek him in relationship with him and the king of God, the king of the kingdom living in us, then all these things we need will be added unto us, and we won't be worrying about the future or anything else. Wow. Let me pray for you. Lord, I know that you answer prayer. I know that you hear the cry of every one of us when we're in need. But Lord, our prayer is today, we won't just wait till we're in need, but we'll cry out to you now and say, Jesus, be Lord in me. 
God, give us an appetite for the things of God more than the things of the world. As Paul said, to set our affections on things above, not on the things below. That our treasure will be in heaven. Treasures that cannot be corrupted, cannot be stolen, can't be rusted, Lord, or don't decay. But treasures that last throughout eternity. And as we are making decisions, Lord, of building our lives on this foundation of faith in Christ and of seeking you, God, and making Jesus Lord of all in our lives today, may we choose the right priority of your kingdom, your righteousness for us every single day as we declare the kingdom of God in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.